Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz had last night off. They'll be back in action tonight in Miami. Going back-to-back Miami tonight and Orlando tomorrow. Uh, But there was a game that should interest you Jazz fans. The Memphis Grizzlies blew out the Clippers. And anytime you start seeing a game that's, you know, 20 points-ish, right, you start thinking, well, were they missing somebody? I mean, Paul George must have been out, right? Or maybe Kawhi took the night off. And then I looked at the box score. Kawhi played, and Leonard played, and Patrick Beverly played, and Batum played. I mean, they, they had their guys. And Memphis just ran them off the court. So the Jazz are now four games in front of the Clippers, who are second, and four and a half games in front of the third-place Lakers. It's a pretty healthy margin. Now we'll see if they give some of it back on this uh, on this road trip. And I don't think Miami's a total gimme tonight. Uh, then Orlando back to back, and Philly's at the end of the trip. So that's another uh, another game that could be a test. We'll see how the Jazz handle this. I mean, they've been awesome. They've just been awesome. Twenty two wins and two losses in their last twenty four games. That is just off the charts. So. We'll see if they can keep it up. I mean, keep waiting for the other shoe to fall. They've got to come back to earth, don't they? And yet, they haven't. So, something to watch for tonight. College basketball was a big story last night. The Utes. Oh, oof. Oof. They were fine with UCLA. And, you know, they played a good game at Pauling and were right there at the end and had a chance to win that. USC and UCLA are battling for the league race, and it may come down to their their head-to-head game at the end of the season. Um and, you know, the Utes got off and everything was going fine. You got through the middle of the half and then about six and a half minutes to go in the first half. It's uh, The game's tied at 22 and then all of a sudden it's out of hand. <laughs> it happened so fast. Uh, it, was, it was UCLA really taking control at the end of the half and uh, they closed really strong. It was a uh, 13-5 to run to close the half. And then you're thinking, okay, well, Larry's going to get on him and make a couple buckets, get back in this game. Nope. UCLA came out with a 19-7 to run. The lead went to 20, and that was the ball game. It was over. So the youth get beat by UCLA. They got USC on Saturdays. So it's not getting any easier. Um, Weber State won at Sac State, and BYU got a win at home. Alex Barcelo went 7-for-7 seven seven from the three-point line, and they beat USF. And for more on that game, let's listen in to Mark Pope and his post-game comments. I'm super happy. Um, these games are hard, man. It was so fun to have a crowd in here, but the gym sure felt weird the first 10 minutes. It felt weird to our guys. Um, it's so interesting because it's such a different energy, and we're so incredibly grateful for it. But it was like, it felt super weird in the gym the first 10 minutes. Like people were reacting to plays and there was cheers and uh, it was just, it was fantastic. It's funny. It seems like it's been a long time since we had people in the gym. So we're incredibly grateful to, um, to president and, and uh, Keith uh, Vorkink and, and uh, Tom and Brian uh, for, you know, and our whole medical team for allowing that happen. It's awesome. I couldn't be more proud of our guys for, for coming away with the win in a hard fought game. And uh, let's roll guys. One more game. That's it. What? All right, go ahead, Mitch. Yeah, coach uh, record setting night for, for Alex Barcelo when he's on like that, uh, just what does it do for your team when he's playing at that efficient of a level? I'm going to tell you what. So this is Alex Barcelo. 
He was just toying with his shot today. So you notice how every shot he shot with more and more arc. He he knew they were all going in. First of all, he didn't miss a whole, whole a shot the whole morning at shoot around. It was incredible. And then he just was like he was shooting it higher and higher and higher, so it take longer to get the rim, so all the fans could actually take it in. It was amazing. I don't know what to do with this kid. Like I'm so grateful I don't have to play against him because I'm not sure what to do. You know, he just is, uh, he's tough as nails. He gets wherever he wants on the floor. He's so physical. He's a diligent defender. He's an unbelievable leader. And he's going seven for seven for the three-point line. It's an all-time BYU record, I think. Man, it's super fun, huh? So great. Go ahead, Norma and Matt. You kind of mentioned how different it was to have fans back in Marriott Center, but how did it help you guys in a game like tonight where there was a lot of back and forth action early on and then late in the game, the Dons just kept threatening that lead? Yeah, this um, this San Francisco team gives us fits at the end of the game, man. Like, they could just be normal the whole game, and then they're just going to bang, like, 17 threes in, like, a seven-second span. Uh, they, they just they just do, and we kind of know it's coming and expect it. Um, I, I don't know that, that it had a huge impact on the end of the game, but it sure was beautiful to have people in the building. Coach, uh, Caleb Lohner, one rebound shy of a double-double. What's impressed you the most about his development over the season? Caleb Lohner worries about the right things. That is his greatest, that is his greatest accomplishment this season. He's a freshman that worries about the right things. Um, you know, he went, uh, guys, what do you go? Six for nine from three or seven for 10 from three uh, on the road last week. You guys probably know better than I did, but something ridiculous. And uh, he's the, he's the leading three point percentage shooter in our league that shot over 10 in league play. And he's not worried about it. And it's incredible for a freshman to come in every single day and say, let me figure out how I can be a force on the glass and how I can really, really lock down on my defensive assignment. And when you build your game that way, like he's doing, which very few players are smart enough or willing to do, you have a chance to grow into something really incredible. I thought his performance was unbelievable. He came with a couple of huge plays for us, none bigger than the the offensive rebound where he skied over four dudes and came down and pivoted and pivoted and kicked out Alex Barcelo for one of those rainbow, you know, 17 second in the air threes. Um, and it's just, it's, he just continues to amaze. It's 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 really hard for these kids, man, because their their families and their and their um, you know prospective agents and media and everybody is is trying to convince them that the things that aren't the most important are really the most important. And every single one of my guys hears that every single day. And Caleb Lohner is like. He's, he's centered enough to understand that he's building his game on a reproducible every single night platform. If you look at Caleb Lohner, normal, what is it, the last eight games, maybe last nine games, he's been over one point per possession every game, and he has been a consistent contributor every single game, just getting better and better and better. 
like no freshman do that, but he's doing it because he's, because he, he, he's, he's, he's worried about the right things. I'm so impressed with this young man. I'm telling you, he's going to be a star. If he can keep worrying about the right things, like we're just going to watch him keep his trajectory is crazy. Just keep worrying about the right things. It's awesome. All right. We'll go with Sean, Jake, and Mitch. Coach, that was a really good macro answer about uh, Caleb right there, just on the season and kind of everything he's meant. I want to go super, super micro. Uh, what was what, what was kind of your reaction? How were you feeling when he threw down that absolute hammer where I think it was Spence kind of handoff to him at, at the free throw line and he just threw it down like that? What, what were you thinking? Well, my first reaction was, I'm glad he still had legs to make it because last game he did it, right? Um, but listen, he's got a, uh, he's got an unbelievable upside. Uh, and it's just fun to watch. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that all of Cougar Nation hasn't kind of been able to be with us through the season like, like you guys have. I mean, you guys have been able to at least see everything. And I mean, you guys tell me, isn't his trajectory really special right now? You know, 10 games ago, he was kind of catching the ball and looking around like a deer in the headlights, right? And just, just things were happening so fast. And he's just making – he's making smart, consistent, reproducible plays right now. So, if you want to get into micro – you want me to just talk about that player? You want me to talk really specifically about him? No, that was, that was pretty much it. I was just wondering okay. what you were thinking about that play. Yeah. It, it felt like this entire gym just erupted. I, I haven't yeah. heard it that loud all year, and, and I was yeah. wondering if you guys were kind of that way on the bench too. It looked yeah, like no, he, he – listen, he's a special athlete. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the thing that matters to us the most is winning. And so, like, it's – you know, I know that that's a raise-the-roof dunk, but I'm telling you the rebound he made was way more impactful on the game, right? And it was just – it was just as ridiculous an athletic play. Um, it was funny that on the road, uh, Caleb started grabbing offensive rebounds in both games, and you could hear the bench on the opposing team – like screaming, block him out, block him out. Because you know, that's all they've gone over in scout for the last three days. Right. They just said, we have to find a way to block out Caleb Loner and nobody can do it. And um, I mean, so his athleticism, that really extraordinary athleticism is being manifested in all kind of different ways. And then on the offensive end at the rim with him making plays like that, that's going to continue to come more and more and more as he becomes more comfortable. But like I said, I'm so grateful he's staying focused on the like that dunk wasn't the most important thing for him tonight like in his mind like if you talk to him I hope he answered this way because if he didn't I'm gonna have to talk to him but I would guess it that what what he thinks the base of his life is is these offensive rebounds and his defensive assignments awesome coach well, we're reporters, so we've got to ask the question that I'm sure you're probably not going to love the answer to, but we have a really big game going forward on Saturday. So uh, what's going to be your message to the boys going forward after this big win? Well, it's the same, you know, it's, it's, it's the same for us every single game. It's one of the things that I'm, I'm really proud of our guys over the last two years is we recognize that it's going to be the hardest game we've played all season. Just like tonight, you know, San Francisco comes in here having lost seven of 10 and, and my guys, my guys understood that this was going to be the toughest game we played all season tonight. And, and, and they, they you know, we believe that um, it's how we approach every game. And so, Certainly that's how we'll approach 
St. Mary's. I think St. Mary's held Pacific to two points in the first 10 minutes of the game. They're playing right now. So uh, they're going to guard and they're going to push and shove and scratch and claw and just bully and beat us up. And so we know what we're in for. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a game. It's senior night. It's, um, I'm not sure. I don't think it's going to have significant implications on conference standings. I think that might be relatively squared up by tomorrow, but, but it's important game for us in terms of us continuing our momentum, us getting better, uh, us, you know, trying to grow our, our positioning for NCAA tournament possibilities. So it's a huge game and, and it's, it's really important for us to honor our seniors. I'll go ahead, Mitch and Matt and Jake, and we'll finish up there. Yeah, Mark, uh, you know, with with the I was looking at the turn, turnover margin in the box where you guys were minus or plus, minus five in that area. It, what what can be done from your group to maybe improve on the turnover side of things heading into this regular season finale and ultimately the postseason? Yeah, that's been a huge. It's been a huge key for us. It's um, it's it's obviously really, really, really important for us. Um, uh, I think our guys have made progress. You know, we had um, we had. Whoops, after what did we end up with? Fourteen, twelve. We had twelve tonight. I think we had sixteen on the road at their place. So it's a little bit of positive progress. You know, their their backcourt is. Uh, their backcourt is two of the leading steel guys in our league. Um, and in fact, they're given a ton of freedom where they actually can cheat. They don't actually have to keep you in front of them. You know, you saw at the end of the second, uh, at the end of the first half, when we ran a pistol, Alice got a layup and then, and then Brandon Averett got a layup back. I think they were back to back. And um, it's just because their defensive mantra is not really to be solid. It's to take every risk they can to come up with steals. And so we've done a great job. Like I said last week, uh, Alex and, and Brandon were, were 21 and five. So they were over a four to one assist to turnover ratio on the road last week. That's spectacular. Tonight, Alex Barcelo, with as much as he had the ball in his hands, uh, he had zero turnovers. That's because as soon as he caught it, he just shot it because he knew he was going to make every single shot. Um, but so I'm super proud. That's a huge performance from Alex Barcelo. Uh, in terms of protecting the ball. I mean, everyone's going to talk about the seven for seven and the record and the whole deal, but his, his ability and physicality to protect the ball, especially down the stretch late in the game uh, was massively important. So you're hitting on an ex one of our three key points going into postseason is that we have to work harder to protect this ball. You know, Spence gave, gave us great minutes tonight. He can do a better job protecting the ball. BA can do a better job protecting the ball. Gideon actually played, uh, made some huge contributions. He can do a better job protecting the ball and we got to do it all around coach do you feel like your team is peaking at the right time um i i do feel like we're getting better every day and that's really hard guys i mean i know i say that every single post game every single media session you guys hear me talk about getting better every day and it, it, it gets old to you guys, just like it gets old to our guys. It doesn't get old to our guys because they don't believe in it. It's just it's exhausting to try and get better every day. But, yeah, I think we're getting better. I do. I think we're getting better. Um, I think Caleb's trajectory. I think Gideon's trajectory. I think a Alex and Brandon's trajectory. I think Matt Harm's trajectory. I think all these guys are getting better. They're getting more comfortable with each other. Uh, they're, they're able to figure things out on the court. So I do think we're getting better. 
Mark, I wanted to ask you, Portland announced they're going to have to shut things down here due to COVID. I'm, I'm, be it far for me to try and jinx you, but how impressive has it been in your mind that you guys have been able to avoid any sort of COVID shutdown on your end this season so far? Well, I'm, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to give you two answers. Okay. The first one is the answer I want to give you. And that's really generally, uh, my guys have no social life whatsoever. They're just all pretty boring dudes that like to hoop and go to school. So we don't really get exposed. So that's the answer I'd like to give you. The second answer I'll give you is probably more legitimate. My guys have, they're all feeling a real commitment to this team and they're all working really, really hard to stay safe. And then the most legitimate answer is we've been really fortunate. I mean, we've been really fortunate and, um, and now it matters, you know, I mean, we're not letting COVID take another tournament away from us. It's just, it just, it can't happen. Um, and so, you know, I think as the season gone on, we've got increasingly cautious and uh, we'll continue to be increasingly cautious and, and, and we're super prayerful and, and we're super hopeful that, that, uh, that that doesn't happen. Cause these guys, you know, these guys have worked really, really hard and sacrificed an awful lot for each other. So we're going to continue to be careful. All right. That's it. Thanks coach. Hey, I'll give you guys something if you need something. Connor Harding pregame speech today. If you, if you need something, a little byline. His pregame speech was all about honoring toughness and about how we honor toughness. I thought it was super impactful on our team. I thought it was beautiful. It actually is a definition of our team. It's, it's how our team honors toughness every single day, starting with Alex and, and Brandon and Matt Harms, but this idea of honoring toughness, that actually has a chance to take us a long way. We're going to need to honor toughness on Saturday because it's going to be a brawl. But with this idea of honoring toughness, I'm really grateful to Connor Harding for bringing that to our team today. I think it made a huge difference in our in our work. Appreciate you guys. It's fun to win. See y'all. There's BYU basketball coach Mark Pope. After the Cougars pick up the win, they got one game to go. They've got St. Mary's coming in Saturday night, and that game will be on ESPNU at 8 o'clock. So... All right, we're going to take a break right now. We've got more to come. We've got, uh, <laughs> we got uh, Joe Ingles coming up. We've got uh, Mike Weir coming up. Yeah, we're in pretty good shape, aren't we? Yeah. All right, stay tuned. It's all next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles coming up in just a few minutes. But right now, I want to check in with Mike Weir. We had him on in the last, next to last segment of the show yesterday. Uh, obviously, uh, his insight on Tiger, um, you know, having golfed with Tiger in the same generation and all that. And then also his plans. The Champions Tour getting underway, and he's in Tucson for a tournament. Uh, here's Mike Weir with PK and I on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Mike, good morning. Good morning, DJ PK. How you guys doing? 
We are doing all right. Uh, we had all wanted right. to have you on with the golf season getting all fired up and, and to talk about you. And then obviously golf went right to the forefront a couple days ago uh, with the news of Tiger Woods' uh, wreck. And we know obviously you know Tiger, and I don't even know how many tournaments you would have played together or how many practice rounds you would have played together. But it must have been horrific just seeing the video of that car. That was just awful. You didn't need to be told anything. Seeing that car, it just had to go right to the pit of your stomach. Yeah, it did. Actually, um, you know, I was I was down here in Tucson, or I am down here in Tucson. I was on the golf course, and <clears throat> I was checking my phone for something, and I saw the kind of the feed come across there. So I didn't see the picture until later, but, my, you know, my first thoughts were, I, geez, I hope, is it life-threatening? What, what's what's happened? Um, I just heard, saw that it was a single car wreck, and, you know, immediately I just thought of him, and um, hopefully he was okay. And then seeing, as you said, DJ, you know, seeing the car after um, – Man, he, uh, you know, he, I know they're pretty severe injuries, but yeah, could have could have been a lot worse. So, um, you know, I, I, I was watching the news this morning. They said it was a, a talus bone injury to his right foot, and and actually my my ex wife had a very um, severe talus bone horse accident where the bone was exposed. You know, her foot was smashed severely by this horse, and. Uh, but, you know, just thinking in my head now how she's recovered and she's leading a normal life. So I'm hoping th- that for him going forward. What was the time frame for uh, your ex-wife as far as when she had the injury and how long did it take before she got back to normal? Yeah, it was, it was you know, a good six to eight months. You know, it was, mm-hmm. a, you know, a pretty reconstructive surgery at the start and, and worry about infection as they are with Tiger. And, um, you know, and then it was, it was after the surgery, um, a lot of time just laid up for a while. I can't remember quite the time frame, maybe four to six weeks. And then it was onto a knee scooter, um, you know, getting the, getting the cast off, getting, getting things going, you know, maybe a couple of months later where the rehab started and things. So, um, you know, I think she, you know, cold weather and things like that, she still feels like the plate in her foot. I think they're, they put some screws and some things and tiger's foot it sounds like so that's something i'll have to live with i don't i don't think those will ever come out so i'm you know i don't i don't know the specifics but I, i'm just referring to 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 Bricia, my ex-wife and she you know that's something that would never come out of her foot um so it's something she's had to deal with and i think it is leading a pretty pretty normal life and pretty still active life and uh you know that's 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 what's kind of running through mine as i as i saw it was on the news this morning hoping that that's uh, the outcome for him uh, too soon for you to uh, reach out and text with him or anything like that. Yes, yeah, I, I uh, you know haven't haven't um, touched base with him at all or anything. So just like everybody else, just wishing he and his family the best, and hopefully he's just recovering well. And know that uh, you know that's that's a tough-minded guy right there, and knowing that um, he'll do everything he can and, and then some to uh, to recover and. I think, you know, as Rory McIlroy said, you know, I think golf's furthest thing from people's mind, but, you know, hope he's just, you know, lives a pain-free life. You know, hopefully, you know, the other thing I was thinking in my head that, you know, he's recovering from back surgery. Hopefully it didn't do any damage to his back, and that isn't a setback either, hopefully. So, yeah, just hoping for his health. I mean, that's that's the main thing right now, and, you know, maybe a few months down the road start start looking at, you know, what, what that recovery looks like as far as what, what golf might look like down the road. So you've had literally an eyewitness 
spot basically for the bulk of Tiger's prime because you and him mm-hmm. you're not too far away in age so you were right there and you've seen the tremendous growth of golf as a sport and the prize money and all the stuff that Tiger brought and it's a tough thing to sum it up but could you put into words what Tiger has meant for your sport oh man I mean I liken it to the days when you know TV was just uh, becoming part of uh, of golf with Arnold Palmer and uh, the growth of the game with Arnold Palmer, you know, back in the, the late 50s and 60s and how the game really grew with Arnold Palmer. Um, obviously, I wasn't around during that time, but, uh, you know, it was an explosion when Tiger came on the scene in the in the mid-90s. Um, we all benefited from it. Uh, PK, I mean, you know, the prize money went up. You know, I wasn't there at a time when my game started to ascend pretty good so i benefited from that uh, uh sponsorships and and all all the things that go along with that um you know people were interested in golf people thought golf was cool when you had you know this this type of athlete you know tiger really bought, brought a a certain amount of athleticism to the game um that um you know maybe was lacking in the past and now as you can see that the boom in the game is is there's tons of athletes in golf now and i think tiger's you know, big part of that. Um, so, you know, he he's, you know, in a way transcended the game to a different level. People who maybe don't follow golf, follow golf because of Tiger, you know, not just the core golf fans, but he brought a new um, energy into the game and, and new fans along with it. So, yeah, he was huge for the game of golf or is huge for the game of golf. So you mentioned the uh, you know Tiger's back and and how that's going and and obviously there were people when Tiger was younger saying that is awesome what he does off the tee, but no mm-hmm. back can sustain that. When you see all the guys and how far they're hitting it now, are there guys you look at and think that's awesome, but how long can you sustain that? And there are other guys who hit it a long way and have a swing, and maybe you think they can sustain this. Yeah, that's a great point. I think there are swings you wonder sometimes that, you know, you know the big lash swings that guys have, you know, a, a DeChambeau and Jason Day, how they how hard they go at it. And then you see effortless power um, by, by certain players out there. Um, so those type of swings maybe um, you, you might think in your head might, might last a little bit longer. But yet at the same time, I think the guys – really understand how uh, recovery, how important recovery is. And I think guys are spending a lot more time in recovery, uh, doing ice baths and doing all the e-stims and all. They have their their uh, physical therapists out with them. So after the round, even after putting their body through a lot of hard swings like that, they're, they're doing a lot of rehab after the round. They're not, uh, you know, back in the day going to, going to dinner with their buddies and having a few drinks like, like the old school guys. <laughs> they're doing the rehab and, and probably getting room service in the room and getting a lot of sleep and recovering. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, this this era of, of guys hitting a long way um, will, will last. I, I seem to think it will. I mean, I think it's um, – I think guys can have a long career as long as they take care of themselves. And um, I think the biomechanics, what we know, and, and movement patterns, what we know, and um, I think guys can work around maybe little subtle injuries that they might get. And I think they have a most guys have a, a good team around them to kind of just like they would in the NBA when guys get a little nicked up and a little something they they sit out for a little bit. Um, I think guys maybe do that a little bit more in golf now. So what was going on with that Zoom interview you were doing, and it ended up like a talking dog or something? <laughs> that was 
that was kind of parody, I guess. This there was this video that the the PGA Tour champions wanted to do. Um, I guess some viral video that went out where there was a judge and a lawyer talking about a case on a Zoom call, and popped up on his screen. He was a cat. And he was like, Judge, I'm sorry, I, I don't know what's going on here, but there's this filter on here of a cat. And uh, it was this thing that, you know, in that room kind of went viral. And the tour was like, hey, will you do this uh, parody on that? So that's what it was. Oh, okay. It was funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, what is your plan? We had you on a while back, and you were talking about looking ahead to your career on the Champions Tour and that and getting out there and playing. What is what is your plan for 2021, assuming 2021 is a little more normal than 2020? Yeah, I mean, just, just kind of keep going, keep progressing in the things that I'm, I'm working on in my game. And, uh, you know, we have 23 to 25 events, I believe, on the Champions Tour schedule this year. So I'll probably play most of those sprinkled in a couple of PGA Tour events, obviously the Masters, and hopefully if we're able to have the Canadian Open up in June in Toronto, that's a bit up in the air. Um, so, you know, some, somewhere in the in the low to mid-20 tournaments I'll play this year, and yeah, I mean, I'm just enjoying the, the competition out here, the guys uh, seeing some old familiar faces here on the Champions Tour, and played a practice round with DJ uh, day before yesterday, and you know, hitting balls with Ernie and Jim Furyk yesterday, having a few laughs. So it's it's fun to be out here on the Champions Tour, guys that are that I've known for a long time. And um, So, yeah, but keep working on the game, trying to get a win here, hopefully. So we saw the other day Tony Finau standing over about a six- or seven-foot putt to win it. You've been in that situation. Mm-hmm. He didn't make it. He loses in the next hole, obviously. Uh, if mm-hmm. he were to come to you and say, hey, Mike, what what – what kind of counsel could you give me? Because obviously he's going to be in that situation again and again and again because he's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting uh, thing for Tony. I mean, I remember my first few times uh, in the mix trying to win. It's it's difficult, and then you 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 finally break through, and you almost have this relief. And you know, Tony's such a good player, and he's putting himself in so many positions. It's it's bound to just kind of fall in his lap where someone stumbles, and he wins one. Um, it hasn't happened yet, or there's going to be a time where he, he played great Sunday and it's just going to pull ahead and win. So, you know, when you're standing over a putt like that, you just try to calm your breath. You try to take a, a deep breath, try to calm your nerves, um, and really try to not think of the outcome. You try to get focused on what you're doing. And, you know, if that putt, you know, that putt was a little left or right putt, you try to get your attention really on your spot and having full commitment to that putt and not thinking about anything else. Um, now, I know he's probably worked very hard on that, that, those sort of things, but that's what I would tell him. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of time. He, it looks like he's he's putting really well. He putted great. I know that's something he's worked very hard on. But his overall game looks so solid, and uh, I think it's just a matter of time before he gets one. But it's it's frustrating when you're not getting it done. There's no doubt about it. There's probably no one more frustrated than him. Um, so, um, yeah, I just I, I hope that's that's what he – thinks about next time he's in contention is to really get committed enough you know turn out tune out the the what ifs what if i i miss this or if i make it i win all that kind of stuff is just interference you know you get really focused on on what you're doing and the process and and pick your spot and commit to it that's where you have your best chance of a good outcome so everybody's career arc is a little different and everybody goes through slightly different challenges but when you're where he is and he's so close. And if anything, he inched even closer. Because, I mean, you know, Riviera, that, that's a 
pretty big name on the PGA Tour, and he shot a 64 mm-hmm. on Sunday. And that is a mm-hmm. heck of a number. And it feels like he's inching even closer. But when you're that close, how much of it is physical and how much of it is mental? Well, I think it's it's probably a mental thing at this point. You know, he has all the physical tools. He hits all the shots. He's he's putting well. I think every his whole whole game is very well rounded now, which is uh, which is a recipe for putting yourself where he is week in and week out. He's right in contention. So, you know, it's it's got to be a subtle mental thing. Uh, it could be just something very very slight. Um, this game's just, you know, it can be just a very slight thing that can make all the difference in the world. Like that's a simple mindset of just being a little bit more committed. You know, if you're, you know, you you kind of think, let's say a putt is, you know, six inches outside the left and you're over it and you're like, oh, I'm just going to play it a little more. If you think of that right at impact, that's not being as committed as you could be. Um, so subtle little differences like that in the mindset of just like, no, nope, that's my spot. Six inches outside the left. I'm just going to hit it right there. That's a more decisive uh, decision. And that could be all the difference from making the putt and missing the putt. So. It might be something as simple as that. Uh, I don't know. I haven't talked to him about it, but um, I, like you said, he's he's inching ever so close, and uh, who knows when he when he knocks one off here, he could the floodgates could open and he could win ten tournaments in the next couple of years. He has that kind of talent. So um, yeah, I'm hoping that for him. I hope he just makes those subtle adjustments, and you could tell over the years he's making adjustments in his game to improve. So you know, he's got a great coach and he's got a great team. I, I'm sure they're going to figure this out. Are they, letting, are they letting fans out on the course to watch you guys play now? Uh, not this week in Tucson. No. Um, I'm not sure what that's – I was just asking the other day if uh, if we have any plans of that going forward, but it doesn't, doesn't look like it so far. Uh, I'm hoping here as we move into uh, yeah. later later spring and summer we'll, we'll, you know, we'll start to loosen some of that up and get some fans. Do you have uh, pro-ams early in the week, or is it strictly practice rounds with tour players, and that's the only – that's all. That's all who's on the course. Yeah, practice was uh, t- Monday and Tuesday, and then uh, I I played the pro am yesterday. There's pro ams. There was pro am yesterday. Another one today. And actually, as we were talking here, a tour official just texted me and said, "Fred Couples back is not doing good. Could I fill in for him today?" <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's Freddie's been dealing with a bad back, so maybe I might have to play the pro am again today to cover for Freddie. But um, usually, the the two days prior to the start of the tournament are uh, pro am days. Well, Mike, you're in Tucson. You know, I'm an ASU grad, so I want you to stay away from the U of A campus because there's a lot of toxic <laughs> chemicals over there. <laughs> I'll tell Furek, Jim Furek's an Arizona alumni. I'll tell him I'm, I'm steering clear. I understand Phil's going to be there, though, isn't he? He is. Phil's playing this week as well. Yeah. Uh, great field this week. You know, Ernie's here and Furek, Phil, uh, Longer. Yeah, it's a really good field. I'll be checking it out. I, I've been curious about this since I was watching the uh, the made-for-TV stuff with everybody mic'd up last summer. Did Phil mm. really turn up the juice because he knew he was on camera and he's mic'd up, or is that how he is all the time? On like uh, so what, talking, what, talking, yapping on the, on the, yeah. on the match when he yeah, the match and he's, you know, and like that, activate yeah. my calves and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think he does that when we're playing out here, but uh, he he likes to. Uh, to tune up a little bit when the when the microphone gets on, especially in those made for TV things, and um, yeah, he he does that. That's that's his whole, I guess, Instagram thing is a uh, his calves. He talks about his calves all the time. So you know, Phil Phil's uh, Phil's a lot of fun. He uh, he likes to make light of himself, which is which is great. And uh, you know, he's good at it. You know, I think uh, 
you know, who knows? Been, there's been a lot of chatter about him being in the broadcast booth yeah, here yeah. in the not-too-distant uh, future, so he'd be really good at it. And he's, yeah. he's good at us. He's got a great mind for the game, so he'd be, he'd be a great analyst of, uh, of the tour, for the tour, for sure. Uh, there was a time once when, uh, and I know he'd be good at it, 100% he'd be good at it, and if you ever uh, are killing time with him, Ask him about uh, the time he and Sean Salisbury got into it on the radio over football picks, and then he ended up being right, and Salisbury ended up getting oh, annihilated boy. with Dan Patrick. He'll remember. Oh, really? Oh, it's an awesome story. Dan Patrick was saying that he, I think he picked the Vikings, and he was breaking down why, and Salisbury is like, you know, I'm a pro football player. Don't break it. Pick whoever you want, but don't break <laughs> it down for me. Well, and I think it was the Vikings that Phil picked. They were in the game, and I think the Vikings ran the opening kickback for a touchdown and then blew out whoever they were playing. And Dan Patrick said his voicemail started filling up when the return guy was at midfield. It was at the time. It was epic. I'm sure Phil could regale you with that story in great detail. Oh yeah, I'll ask him about it for yeah. sure. All right. Well, Mike, we appreciate the time. We appreciate. Uh, I know a lot of people here still track your career and what you're doing. I love hearing about you. And obviously, everybody was, uh, you know, just you know, has rooted for Tiger for a long time. Is hoping for the best for mm-hmm. him now. So thanks for coming on right now on kind of short notice. We appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure, guys. No okay. problem. Yeah, well, Mike, we're, we're all pulling for Tiger. Thanks. Yeah. There's Mike Weir with PK and I. When we come back, the Joe Ingles Show, our baseball correspondent, coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. We had Joe Ingles on. Yesterday, about uh, about 8.45 for you early risers. And Joe gets up early, but he didn't get up this early. So I always make sure we replay Joe for you. Here's our baseball correspondent, Joe Ingles. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe, and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe to the cop, slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in our baseball correspondent, Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. I'm sure they are. Sandy Triangle uh, pitch is uh, ready to go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Joe, I heard so much about that everywhere I went. I asked one guy, did you hear that? He goes, how did I not hear that? Every show on your station replayed that. That was hilarious. <laughs> That's all I got all week long. That you realize they replayed it because of me, not because of you guys. Oh, uh, yeah, I think we're pretty aware of that, Joe. Which is uh, back to the point of this is my show, and you guys are just uh, a little part of it. Joe, I you got to give us enough credit here for us to be smart enough. Not very smart. I mean, we're in the media. We're not very smart. Smart enough sm- to get me to come on the show. If it's- right? And we know you're more popular than us. We got that part figured out. Yeah, I remember when Joe begged me to come on seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, the story, Gordon actually denied it or someone. Gordon or someone didn't want to do it. And they were like, oh, Joe, can you just do it? And I was like, all right. 
<laughs> and here we are. <laughs> seven years later. What a waste of seven years. <laughs> <laughs> seven years, three kids, one of whom is American. He's my favorite kid of yours. <laughs> He is. He got his Australian citizenship and passport. So he is. We cut up his American passport as soon as we got it. <laughs> Still an American, Joe. He can run for president of the United States, and you can't. That would be. Actually, I would. I would actually really enjoy that if he did that. That would be the one thing I'd let him do in America. <laughs> <laughs> president Ingalls. I mean, he's got a good chance, right? Anyone can put their hand up and have a crack. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think you got to be 35 and be a U.S. Uh, native son or, or woman. And he is. Jacob Ing- Jack yeah. Ingalls, president <laughs> number 74. <laughs> you're, va- you're vacationing in the Lincoln bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, this will shock you, but we have a lot of people who've wanted to uh, talk and tweet and hit us up on Facebook and talk about the uh, the Laker game. And I'm just curious because, you know, fans look at a game one way, media looks at another, the players and coaches look at it a different way. You probably go into film sessions with Quinn and find out, hey, I don't look at it the same way as Quinn does. But just uh, it's the Lakers, it's LeBron. We know they were shorthanded. Just what's your takeaway from the win? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Rudy or Donovan said it before the game. I mean, any team that has LeBron on it, regardless of who's around him, has a has a good chance to win um, at some point or, or any point of the year. So, um, well, we obviously we realised um, and were quite aware that they didn't have their full team, but um, I feel like a part of this year is is going to be that. What's going to happen to us at times? It's going to happen to other teams. There's going to be guys in and out. Um, that's out of our control. Uh, obviously, what we can control is is the way we want to play and the way we want to um, kind of go out there on on each end of the floor, regardless of who we're playing um, and and who's in and who's out. And that's the same for, for us as well. If um, I was out for those few games, I feel like we we played the same way. We lost Donovan, and we we still played the same way. So, um, yeah, we we realised that. Um, obviously, they went a bit deeper into their probably bench than than they would normally um, if if all healthy. And I mean, you can't kind of deny the fact that they were were short and all star and uh, whatever he's all first team. I'm sure at some point or whatever he's done in his career. But um, so yeah, we we obviously play who's in front of us, and and I think. Like I said, like with LeBron out there, regardless of who's around him, he, he can make everybody look really, really good. Um, and I think we did a good job of, of making it tough on him. And um, if he gets going and, and getting guys involved and they're feeling good, like I said, they can they can still play with anyone. So um, we didn't come home and pop champagne and act like we it was a, it was another game. We, we got a win. Um, like, like you said, we'll we'll look at film and. Um, kind of go through things we can do better and, and things that worked well and, um, and get ready for Miami now. So you only played 22 minutes, and obviously given the context of the game, there was no reason for you to play big minutes. Is that a conscious decision by the coaches maybe since we don't need to extend you with a lot of minutes to maybe not have you play as much? I mean, I hope so. <laughs> I think, I mean, I'm not getting any younger. Um, and I think this is probably the first year of my career that I've, you, well, I won't even know how to say it, but like being a bit smarter with the, the rest and the, the playing and obviously missing those games and 
um, I've, I've always kind of a part of the resting and missing games and and stuff like that. I've always, uh, like I've said, and you guys know, I've, if if I'm healthy, I'm going to play. And um, there's definitely been games that. I've probably been more tired and, and maybe that's a game that I could have sat out and the flip side of that is I, I think in my head if I miss a game it's going to kill my rhythm for the next game and stuff like that so um, being kind of being forced I guess to miss those three or four games earlier in the year I think it just gave me a bit more of a, a brighter outlook that if I do need a, to play less minutes or, or sit a game or whatever the situation is um, it's not the end of the world Um Again, I'm not just going to sit for, for the sake of sitting just because, but if there's a, a, a plan in place, and, and like last night, like I, I mean, I wasn't, it's not like I was running out there hot either, so Quinn wasn't desperate to pull me back in anyway, but um, we've got guys that step up, guys that play well on different nights. Sometimes it's all of us, sometimes it's a few of us. Um, I don't think I personally was playing that well anyway. Um, so, yeah, it's a, you kind of write it off. Um, for me, I'll look at a few things and get back in the gym and, and obviously get ready, like I said, get ready for Miami now. But, um, yeah, it doesn't – I'm not begging to get back in there and, and try and keep my minutes up or get my points average or whatever I'm, I'm whatever the, the idea of other people on the outside think. So we won and we got a good win and we were able to get a bit of rest at the end. Quinn has told us in, in multiple interview sessions that it's not necessarily the decision a guy makes with the ball. It's the fact that he knows the decision he's going to make as the ball is coming to him. So he can make it quickly, and the defense doesn't get to reset a matchup if you have him in a scramble. And yeah. I watched one of the national analysts last night just really just raving, just lavishing praise on you guys and the way the ball moved. And that was exactly what uh, – and it was a former NBA player. It was Tim Legler on ESPN. And and yeah. he was talking about, you know, they had possessions that for another team might be their best possession of the night, but they were doing it multiple times down the court. Did you feel like, you said you didn't feel like you played that well, but actually I thought that was one of the takeaways from the game, that there were a lot of possessions that where the ball was moving the right way. Is that true or not? Yeah, I mean, I was more referring to myself, to be honest. Um, but I think we... I mean, the way we we play and and stuff like that, we it is tough. It's 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 harder than just kind of walking up and playing ISO and getting an open shot when when you want to get it. And, and we're going to have a lot of possessions. I feel like that the ball moves and goes from side to side. And and there's going to be times we've talked about it. There's going to be times too that we do walk the ball up and run pick and roll with Donovan and Rudy if if that's what's working for us. So, um, I mean, I, I feel like. We we moved the ball well last night. I think I think um, it took us a while. Um, we 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 end up making I think twenty threes or something like that anyway. But um, I don't think it was. We weren't getting them as kind of free flying. It's probably what we normally do. Um, but I think we like in saying that sounds silly because we still shot forty or something and made twenty or whatever it was. So um, yeah, I mean it's it's. It's different with every team. I think we're, we're as a team as well, seeing so many different defenses and hard, probably a little bit harder to, I guess, predict how teams are going to play us because they teams we've, we've like I said, we've played, we've got we've gotten played differently so many times this year. So um, 
we kind of figure it out, try and figure it out as early as we can in the game and, and figure out how they're playing us and then obviously try and attack it. And um, I think that was a big thing from the Charlotte game the other night. Um, figuring out how they're playing us and it took us kind of three quarters and then we made shots and got out and ran and, and we were able to obviously get a good win. Speaking of that Charlotte game, I mean, since you are a baseball expert now, there's a phrase in baseball that hitting is contagious. And a couple guys get hits, and then it loosens things up. And the next thing you know, you got four or five hits. Uh, they're called runs, Joe. I don't know if you knew that. Five or six <laughs> runs in an inning is, is a pretty good inning for any baseball team. Uh, okay, it's, they're not points. They're runs. I'm wondering, do you believe that shooting is contagious? And if you guys make a couple shots, and next thing you know, you look at that Charlotte game, and it was absolutely unbelievable. So the premise being shooting is contagious. Is that something you buy into? Um, yes, and kind of yes and no. I, I think – um, with our team and it's something we talked about in pre-season and, and something that we talked about last year uh, off-season of like when we had, had got Mike and then we traded for JC and we had a team of um, shooters we could, we had four guys on the court at all times that could make shots we used to kind of laugh about like imagine if we were all hot one night like imagine if we were all going and we were and we just never kind of got that last year we were we either didn't have our full lineup with with injuries and stuff. Or if we did, I was playing terrible off the bench at the start of the year. Um, and then obviously I ended up starting. And then Boyan was out, and we traded for JC. And then Mike had to leave for his baby. And there was just a lot a lot going on. So we never really got to, I guess, see what we always kind of envisioned um, having the team that we had. Um, and we kind of talked. It was kind of a, a thing this year too of like. Obviously, myself knew, like knowing I was going to come off the bench. Everyone was healthy, having our roles, getting Fave back, and just kind of having that group, knowing when we're going in and out, knowing the offense, and then all that a bit more. Um, so if we're all going, it's it's pretty dangerous. And there's going to be nights that we are all going, and we make X amount of threes. And there's going to be nights that it might be two or three of us. Um, but it's. I think for us, a lot of it comes from the defensive end. If we can get stops and get out and run, we have two bigs that can run, and we obviously have four guards out there at all times that can run and space the floor. And uh, I think some of the contagious stuff's come from getting a stop and getting out and running. And if we're all running together um, and spacing the floor the right way when we're running, it's a lot easier to, to make those shots and shoot those shots because we're getting really good looks. So, um then you see, I mean, like you, I mean, you see the ball go in. I get more hyped off JC pulling up in transition than I do off my own shot. So when you see other guys being successful and playing well, I think it just gets the the joy of our group, and um, that's the part I think that you do get a bit of that contagious because like JC is making shots and Fave and Rudy are setting great screens, and then Mike's coming off and hitting threes and we're so unselfish that he might make two or three, but he'll still make an extra pass at the right time. And then I have to shoot and, and I make, it, and they're more happy for me than they are for themselves. So um, it, it's a fun way to play. And uh, I think it's dangerous if, if we're all kind of rolling the way we've been rolling. You talk about all the defenses you've seen, and if there's one that I think frightens Jazz fans or that they, uh, you know, the defense they respect the most or attacks you and is the hardest to handle, it's the one where the other team commits four guys to stopping three pointers. They, they're going to match up with anybody who's on the three point line no matter what. And if they give up a two, they give up a two. And 
Donovan was talking about that that has given you guys some problems, but you've worked on some stuff to handle it. How much confidence you have when the team plays a defense like that? Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I think early on in the year they were playing. I mean, for, for years we've played pick and roll to get downhill and throw lobs to Rudy and then probably hit the corner if the, the guy helps in. And um, we, I mean, it's just a bit different this year. I think part of it, a big part of it is they're playing Rudy and Faye for the role a lot of the time, um, which especially early on we were we were getting even more threes because they were. I mean, Rudy's obviously and Faye, but Rudy at the start of the game is so dangerous on the rim um, in pick and roll and stuff. So we've been played that way a lot. And I think as the season's gone on, teams are trying to figure out what, what hurts us or what slows us down. And um, uh, I mean, I think for us, you, I mean, I don't, you can't stop everything. And I mean, we know that we go into a game, hey, we want to do this with LeBron, but we realize he's obviously going to have the ball a lot. There's going to be things that he is really good at, obviously being the player. And um, So you just try and make it as tough as you can. I think, yeah, I think there's been a couple of games we've struggled where they've played kind of two-on-two two in the pick and roll and then just, just stayed with shooters. And we're so kind of locked in and focused on trying to find shooters um, if we don't have Rudy on the rim that, that we can you can take a minute to, to adjust. And that's why I was kind of saying with the, the Charlotte game, they, they were so jam-packed in the paint and it took us a while to realize how how packed in the paint it was. I mean, it almost took three quarters. I think in the third quarter we made a little run, but then to to really get it going in the fourth. And, and that's going to be the way it is some nights is we can go into a game and say the Lakers have played defensively like this for 10 straight games, but they might do something different with us because we're a different team to, to a lot of teams in this league at the moment. So, um, yeah, part of it is going in prepared and, and knowing what they want to do and then a part of it is, is kind of feeling it out in that first quarter of how they're playing like they might be blitzing Donovan but switching with me and playing like back and dropped with, with Mike like they, there's different things going on all the time so um, yeah it's a kind of the fun part of the game is figuring out the best way that you can help your team or help your team in a situation um, every single night. So since last week, has uh, Donovan reiterated you got no chance? <laughs> we uh, we kind of talked about it those next few days. It's kind of died off a little bit now. Um, <laughs> but we were, yeah, I mean, I'm not changing my stance on it. So you guys all out there, whoever thinks I can't, congratulations. And if you don't, then put a little bit of cash up and I'll uh, happily take it to a beautiful autism <laughs> charity here in, in Utah. So um, I don't know where Donovan's, where Donovan will donate his money if it's the other way around, but I would be happy to pay it if he, if he is able to, whatever, throw the ball at me 10 times. Um, but yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll take everyone's money. So anyone that, wants to be a smart ass on Twitter or whatever, send me your Venmo and we'll, uh, we'll take the money and, and it would, it'll, it'll help a kid, uh, the kid get some extra therapy. All right, Joe, as always, we appreciate it. Good luck on the road trip. And obviously, uh, Jazz fans will be watching. This is an incredible role you guys are on. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. There's our baseball correspondent, Joe Ingles. When we come back, what is trending? A night full of college basketball, and we'll get to it next.